Welcome to the podcast, Meet My Potential, where Deepa chats with leaders around the world once a week or simply shares her insights. This podcast is for those who aspire to meet their highest inner potential. Each episode brings you one simple tool that you can apply at work or in life. Hello, and welcome to this episode on Are You Yourself at Work with Zach Reynolds. Zach has been a property lawyer for the last 20 years. He's a partner in a central London law firm. Zach leads a team of 20 property lawyers. Welcome, Zach. Good morning, Ziva. How are you? I'm doing great. The topic of the podcast today is Are You Yourself? So before we get into what is it to be yourself, can you say what is it not being yourself? <laughs> it's had me thinking. It's a teaser, that one. I think when we're not ourselves, we're paying too much attention to what we think should be done, what we think ought to be done, what we think's got to be done. I think we're paying a little bit too much attention to the rules that we understand um, we have to abide by. We're paying a bit too much attention to what... Um, other people say and uh, you know, feedback is important and all of these things are important. None of what I'm saying uh, needs to be considered as an absolute. But what I think not being yourself is about is paying too much uh, attention to all of these things and not enough attention to your intuition, your essence, yourself about what is right in any particular moment. So the best way that I can give an example of how that might show up is... Oh, yeah. I'm a lawyer. So as a lawyer, I've been told that um, there are only particular types of advice that I can give. So for instance, as a property lawyer, I might get asked by a client, what do you think of this price? What do you think of that value? I start to get asked things which fall outside strictly of my sphere of expertise the rule that I am operating under is I must never advise outside of the sphere of my expertise. And I think you're, for me, you're selling yourself and you're selling your clients short if you pay particular attention or too much attention steadfastly to that rule. I think that there's a space which you can explore where you're definitely not giving advice that you cannot give, that you're not professionally qualified to give, but you are still giving value. So, for instance, you might want to say something along the lines, or I might want to say something along the lines as well. You know, I'm not professionally qualified to comment on value, but if you were asking me personally what I thought about this price or that course of action, this is what I think. And so the client's getting a little bit more from you. You're sort of feeling better about yourself and more fulfilled because you're, you know, you're providing more of yourself to the client, more of your influence, more of what you know. So hmm. that's, I think, a really good example of understanding what's, what feels right to you looking at the rule that you've been told exists and maybe challenging yourself to go that little bit further and thinking about it a bit earlier today, the way that I see it is that, you know, the rule is there to tell us where the boundary is. Quite often what we do when we see a 
rule or a boundary is that you know fear kicks in etc and what happens is we stop well short of the boundary that we're supposed not to go over so really you know what i like to do and what i like to encourage people to do in relation to this and any other (laughs) any other rule is Mm -hmm. understand the rule and just be prepared to go or explore what uh, is possible that little bit closer to the boundaries i suppose fantastic that's a great example of how you are not being yourself especially when you don't bring your opinions you don't bring your feelings and uh your own sense of values as a gift to the other person. And so you kind of get driven from the outside, what must I be? And that is kind of restricting because there are so many shoulds that I need to be and uh, no one is perfect in this world. Absolutely. You're, you're right. That's sort of bringing yourself. Another great example is, you know, again, as lawyers, we're supposed to sort of be emotionless, if you like, and I hear quite often, and we always hear, you know, there's no emotion in business. And yet, often I'm dealing, I find myself dealing with clients in emotional situations. And so, what I find serves my client best in those situations is to be empathetic to where they are at and then to try and sort of lend some form of emotional support. And that could be, for instance, a client. I had a client the other day who was bidding for a property. She also is a lawyer. And what I heard is she was bidding for the property is her going through all of this sort of computations and she was in her mind. I could literally hear her mind whirring around as she was telling me about, maybe I could do this, maybe I could do that. <laughs> and I just jumped in and said, well, look, what I hear is you love this property. So my best advice to you is to forget all of the stuff that's going on in your mind and to pay attention and focus on the fact that you love the property. Your next move is to communicate how much you love the property to the seller. That's going to give you the best chance of um, succeeding in this. I've got no doubt about that. So, you know, again, um, stepping outside of what you understand, what I understand to be the usual framework which lawyers are supposed to operate in and giving something else of uh, myself, giving some sort of added value and support to the client. Mm -hmm. So where does this need to be perfect come from? Because, you know, I hear you when you say no emotions in business. And there is this assumption that we shouldn't be having emotions in business. And so where is this need to be perfect? When was that created? Like, where did that come up? I mean, for lawyers, I think it's a particular thing in the sense that, you know, we are engaged, we are instructed and paid by our clients to get everything right. That becomes our benchmark and anything less less than getting everything right is not acceptable. I can tell you that it's not just for lawyers. I work with so many clients in the IT industry and in other businesses and everybody is so attached. Most of us, a lot of us, and I include myself in that equation. I've also been Mm -hmm. so attached to getting it right, so attached to winning, so attached to the results. And uh, it's hard to get ourselves detached from it. Ultimately, I think there's a heavy emotional cost to the standard of perfection. For me, it's, there's a big difference between looking to excel, looking to be the best that we can mm-hmm. be, and trying to be perfect. Simply put, we're not going to get it right all of the time. 
We don't do it in other areas of our lives. We make mistakes. We encourage people to make mistakes. We encourage people to learn from their mistakes. And then we put ourselves in this situation, either as lawyers, as accountants, whatever it is, as hairdressers, you name it. We're in a business context and relationship with the client. And suddenly there's this pressure on the supplier's side, on my side, to be perfect. And there's this expectation on the other side to be perfect. And, you know, ultimately, because we, uh, and because I, at the time, really held dear and important as being successful at what I do, if you're not being perfect and if you're getting the feedback that you're not being perfect, that then has a, plays a part, it has a strain. And, um, you know, it's, it's, broadly speaking, it's simply put, it's difficult to cope with. So... I'd love to take some of that uh, pressure out of the um, equation, certainly in the legal world, because I think it gets in the way of stifles creativity, gets in the way of real connection with clients, causes procrastination. Things take an awful lot longer than they uh, should otherwise do. So it's, for me, it's a, uh, you know, Cancer is a big word, but it works in a similar way. It sort of eats away, really, at all of these uh, very important, uh, very important things. Wonderfully said. Uh, we innovate together with other people, and therefore, if we don't allow ourselves, if we don't give ourselves the permission to make mistakes and go like, "Hey, wow, I made a mistake. Oh, wow, I have an opportunity to learn from this." If we don't do that, and if we look at it like, oh my God, I made a mistake and we beat ourselves to it, we keep playing back the incident and saying, oh, I should have been this way, I should have been that way. We don't learn from our mistakes. And we don't also, when we don't bring our feelings, we don't connect with others. And therefore, we lose the opportunity to innovate and create connection with others. So for those listening here, there is a podcast on perfectionism versus excellence. And that's episode number 36. So if you want to know more about perfectionism versus excellence, go listen to that. So Zach, coming back yes. to us, yeah, what is it to be yourself? You know, to be yourself, I think, starts with understanding what you stand for, what is it that really makes you tick and paying attention to that as your sort of guiding light or guiding principle. I interview uh, a lot of people here uh, wanting to sort of join the firm, and it always amazes me. I can get 30 or 40 minutes into an interview, and I can be given all of the sort of the, the party line answers, the questions, and I get a real sense when speaking to the people that they're <laughs> you know, they're telling me what they're telling me what they think I want to hear. <laughs> Do you know, and I'm not getting the real person. And so my favorite question is, what makes you thrive? Yeah. When do you thrive? As a, you know, and it can be any answer. I've had lots of cooking. There was one chap I interviewed and got into 40, 40 minutes into the interview and he sort of, I sort of said, what's unique? And he explained that he was a, a minister of the church. I thought, wow, this guy's come from an interview hoping to sort of connect with me in a, in a way that engages me and compels me to employ him. And then here's a piece of information about him. Mm -hmm. that, but for a question, I could have gone through a whole interview and not learned about. So understand uh, what you're all about, understand what you stand for. And then, you know, there's going to be plenty of 
temptations to steer away from that path, you know, it could be the simplest of things. I remember an uncle of mine once saying to me, you know, when I was a young guy looking to get a training contract, you know, with a haircut like that, you'll never be a lawyer. So there's a very, you know, crazy, right? Crazy. Well, that's not crazy because I know, I mean, like there was a coach with a lot of, with, nice long hair and I had this corporate piece of work to do and when I showed the picture to you know I had the bio and the picture and the client said to me do you want him to come and coach our senior executives I mean it's madness I mean it's madness so that gives a good example of the small level on which we're being fed information we're being fed rules about how we should show up and so on and so forth and then it can go, you know, there are other pressures. So, for instance, one of the things, you know, when I qualified as a newly qualified, the, the big question I had for myself was, you know, how do I make myself valuable? How do I create work? I was in an environment at the time where work wasn't being fed to me. And so looking back now, what I think I did is that I, in order to win work, I adopted ways of being that were not essentially me in order to make myself appear valuable to the people that, uh, you know, that I was hoping to sell myself to the clients. So, you know, and that could be simply working ridiculous hours, for instance, you know, I'm going to make myself valuable because I'm going to be the person who starts earliest in the morning and works latest at night. So that's a very good example of how I sort of altered what's healthy for me and what's important to me in a way to make myself more valuable. But that wasn't a sustainable change. That was not a sustainable way for me to continue Equally, you know, I'm going to be the quickest to do the work. So I'm going to place myself under this unbelievable pressure to work quickly and to turn things around and so on and so forth. And again, it's, you know, I I realized, and it it took a while, but I realized that that was another unsustainable uh, way to work. And I think what we do is, or what I did is I adapted myself to fit into other people's situations in order to make myself seem like the lawyer for them. And for a while, those relationships were successful. And ultimately, they fall away because there becomes a point in the relationship where you think, this thing that I'm doing to be valuable to this person is unsustainable. And so what I love to do now and what I wish I had the foresight and wisdom to do back then and what I love to tell guys and girls here is be you. You know, yes, expand your range, but don't do something that feels fundamentally out of kilter with who you are and what you're about. Because what will happen is the world will organize itself around you and the world that will organize around you is one that resonates with you. It's one that is sustainable. It's sort of the one that you've made by being you rather than something very artificial where you've, you've gone about your business being something that you're not in a way. Right. And being yourself and bringing your opinions, deciding to have long hair, deciding to color your hair red, Mm. and still being competent has a risk attached to it. Mm. And there's this thought process of the fear that, will I be accepted? Mm. Will I be accepted for the color of my hair? Will I be accepted 
because I like to wear red shoes or will I be accepted if I share my own personal opinions and I am not this person who is saying the things that others want to hear? Yeah, big sort of fears there, particularly if you're starting out in your career. And I mean, all I can really offer, I suppose, in response to that is just to have faith that sticking by your principles will pay dividends. As I say, nothing that I'm saying here, I think, is I don't want it to be taken as an absolute, Mm -hmm. you know. In other words, as I mentioned earlier, expanding your range, I think it's important to know who you are at your essence while at the same time to expand on that. So if you're not a particularly forthright person, to add that to your armory over time so that you can start to produce different notes being part of an orchestra or you can provide clients different services. Equally, just have faith that being who you are is enough and being who you are will be enough and, and it's much more sustainable in the long term. Much more. And talking about being sustainable, what was that downturn? What was that worst moment for you when you weren't being yourself? Mm. You know, basically, I started and had big dreams and ambitions about who I was going to be as a lawyer and you know, the team that I was going to build. And, uh, you know, I was sort of working off the passion of that, if you like. And at some point in along the process that I've read about the paradox of success, one of the things going on, you become sort of busy and um, so you're not able to produce the same sort of things that you're able to produce, you know, when you first started out. And so that then has an impact on your ability to, to sort of create more equally, you know, equally what happens is that, um, you start to be driven as you're successful. You start to be looking, you start to pay attention to the numbers and the profits and the figures and that squeezes the dream out of the picture. Mm-hmm. And what happened to me was that I got to a point where A, what I was doing was unsustainable in terms of the amount that I was trying to do and the time that I was trying to do it. B, I had come off the path of following the dream, paying attention to what was important to me, really focusing on my purpose. And then as a result of those two two things, and at the same time, I kind of disconnected from myself as a person. I disconnected from the people closest to me. You know, the thing that actually I probably spent most of my time connected to was my BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. And once you're there, and when I was there, I started to get feedback from people and in situations that were saying to me, Zach, you're off the track here. I remember um, being on, on holiday, for instance, and uh, Daniel and Zara had sort of gone out into the sea in a dinghy and I was taking a, a work call on the beach and there was a sort of pretty fierce wind and before I knew it, they'd been swept out to sea and my cousin had had to dive in and um, swim after them and you know, in the end it turned into something of a sort of a joke because he, he had to get saved he himself had to get saved by one of the lifeguards and everybody was safe and uh, we, we can laugh about it now but you yeah. know, now that I look back I just think well at that point you were sort of totally off the path you were totally disconnected you'd lost sight I had lost sight of what was really important. The double whammy is 
you don't realize it. In your world, everything seems fine. There's a justification. You're not paying attention to the signs. And then my metaphor is I was like a 747 heading down the runway just at the point of takeoff and just it started to come off the plane uh, <laughs> with pretty catastrophic effects. So three things uh, for folks listening out here, three key important impact that Zach is mentioning here is that when you're not being yourself, it is not sustainable in the long run. Mm. That's number one. Number two, you fall off the path of your own dream and your purpose. And the third point which is the most significant one is you get disconnected both from yourself and from others. So that's three big things that happen to you when you're not being yourself. And that has an impact not only on yourself, but on the environment around you in the relationships that you have in your family, in business. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastically said, Deepa. I mean, I think if you ever hear as I did, somebody saying to you something along the lines of, I see you, but I don't feel you. Mm -hmm. Or alternatively, you know, you're just not the same as you used to be. What you'll feel like doing as I did is to jump in and say, what do you mean? Of course I'm here. I'm working. (laughs) Or I don't understand what you're saying. I'm just the same person. I haven't changed. (laughs) Forget it. Forget it. (laughs) Well, you know, I'll I'll, I'll state my own example here. I met Zach uh, in a leadership program. And I remember one of the first feedbacks that uh, you gave me was that I have an assumption that you're not connected to yourself. And I remember when I heard that feedback from you, I was so angry and upset with you. And it took me a long time to actually understand what was going on. And it's something internal. And it was all about me not bringing out my feelings, me just trying to be a perfect person out there. Wow. As Zach mentions, like when you hear that feedback, when someone says to you that I don't feel close to you, I don't feel connected to you, that's a big sign to watch out for. That's a big sign that you're falling off the tracks of being uniquely who you are meant to be on this earth. Yeah, perfectly put. Massive sign. Yeah, perfectly put. Thanks, Zach. It's been wonderful having you here on the podcast. And before we close the call, one last message. What would you like to share with the audience? Yeah, I think, you know, just pay attention to what's going on inside for you and really honor that. It's the key to connection, connecting with other people. And at the end of the day, we're driven by connection and, you know, being a service provider, it's essential to me in business too. (laughs) It's essential to sort of creativity. It's essential to feeling good about yourself when you're on purpose and you're paying attention to what's really important to you. The world feels great. And what I sort of heard an interview with Richard Branson uh, the other day where he was asked about, you know, how did he cope working so hard? And what he said was, well, for me, it's all just living. It's all just living. And there's no distinction between work and play. I'm just living. And I think the way to that is paying attention to what makes you tick and showing up as you as often as you possibly can in work, in play, wherever it is. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Zach, for being here. You're welcome. I've enjoyed it. Thanks, Deepa. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to know more how you can meet your potential, 
check out www.meetmypotential.com. That's www.meetmypotential.com. Join us again. And until then, stay cool.